Welcome to the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. I'm Lee Gerstman, and I was banned from this podcast, and I'm not too happy about it. So, fuck these guys. Go to hell. So, here they are. Dr. Fuck and Wadzilla. Enjoy. I know I will, even if they did ban me. Fucking assholes. Smack em a gob, it's me, Dr. Fuck, and with me is... Oh yeah! The actual alcoholic Ian Wadley. Hey, Ian. I understand we have not one, but two people here with us. Oh yeah! From the great Cobra and Fire podcast, we got Baco and... And then I, I realized that we said special guests, so I need some star power. <laughs> so we got the Polish Punisher, Chris Sinzak, is with us in the house. Hell yeah, man. This is going to rule. It's going to suck editing it, but it's going to rule because these two are my favorite people ever. <laughs> oh, wow. yeah. Hey, tell me I'm not a kick-ass thespian. Yes, you are. Thank you. Indeed. You're not a kick-ass lesbian. Huh? <laughs> but you told me to say it! Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, what are you drinking? Uh, well, the vodka's all gone. Now I'm on to Rolling Rock Tall Boys. Ooh, How many nice. have left? What's that? How many you have left? Uh, I'm so bad at math. Five. All right, yeah, that's good enough. That'll hold you over. Maybe. Until, until we get to the review. Are we doing news? <laughs> uh, well, uh, in lieu of news, because we just did an episode the other day, we have no new iTunes. Uh, but there are some things we can bring up, and I would also like to talk about everybody's respective podcasts. You know, a lot of people do know about Decibel Geek, at least they should, but this is the first time we've ever had Baco on here, so I'd like to have mm-hmm. him talk a lot about Covers and fires, and get that word out there. Are we uh, so- Baco, uh, uh, you know, of, uh, his time in Ozzy and White Zombie playing bass. Yes, <laughs> yes. Okay. okay, all right. Let's go, Baco. Stick around, and we're gonna ask Chris about you know him seeing Kiss because we got to get the nerds in here. Yeah, yeah. We got we got we got to get those Kiss numbers. God damn it. That's yeah. right. Kiss review coming up sometime between here or the end of the show or in the middle. Just oh my keep God. it glued. Oh, my God. But uh, as we start out, before we get into it, though, uh, you know, unfortunately, we, we got a couple of bum notes to talk about uh, before we get all happy. But uh, first and foremost, I just want to say so sorry to hear last night of the passing of Connor Stratton's father. That is terrible. Yeah, man, uh, I saw that. Come terrible. Come on, a big list, and, and that's what we are here at the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. We are a family, and I, I just want to say how awesome it was uh, to see all the support for Connor, and uh, you know, you know, v- very sad. Uh, you know, there, there's a great video where he he gave his father a Christmas present that I suggest. He called me up. He goes, "I want to get my dad a Zappa CD for for Christmas. What should I get him?" So I told him to get Zuda Lores. And he videotaped the whole thing and, and him giving it to his dad and says, oh, thank you and Wadley and stuff. And I used to watch that video so many times and, and smile. And I watched it again yesterday. And I, I ain't going to lie, man. I, I, was, I, I started tearing up. I started crying like a bitch. 
Uh, yeah, that's you know, very sad, man. And he's it, such a young kid too. That's terrible. Yeah, and 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 I I told him, you know, he met he he private messaged me and he wrote me this this incredible message and, and I would read it on the air, but I would start crying like a bitch, you know. But it it, it was very sweet and very nice, you know. And I you know you know he knows from listening to the show. I I lost my father at a very young age. I mean, I didn't lose him. I know where he's at, but he's dead. Uh, how how but, old were you? I was 20 when my dad died. Yeah, and Connor screwed up. Yeah, I know, right? And Connor, I believe, is—he's between 18 or 20s, yeah, right he's, around he's there. Young, I think he's uh, 18. But, uh, but, but, you know, you, you know, you know, sad news. But it, you know, it, it made me feel good that that our page is is, is so much of a family that that he felt it okay to share it there and the response from the rest of the page you know and the condolences it really really made me feel good like we got we got a real good thing going you know that so many people took time out to give their condolences you know you know and, and you know uh sharing it you know and it's we got something unique and special and 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 that's awesome i was very proud of our audience uh you know for showing up and everybody sticking together and everybody being there for each other and uh, Connor Stratton, I, I love you, brother. And, and again, so sorry for your loss. Very, very sorry. It's terrible, terrible. Yeah. News. And I remember that video, the Zappa video from when yeah. he first put it up. Yeah. I yeah. Was, uh, uh, he got his dad. I remember, I recall he got his dad two by mistake, right? No, no, no. He got his dad uh, Zoo Dolores. Yeah, but two of them. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. He accidentally bought, he, he uh, two came and he, but it, and he wasn't familiar with Zap at the time, so he goes, I kept one for me and one for my dad. Yeah, I was trying to finagle his. Yeah, and, and he's, he's since become a Zappa fan, but it's cool that that's something, you know, he got to share with his dad, you know. And, you know, like like with me and my dad, it was Blue Oyster Colt. You know, that was the thing, like, my dad hated Kiss and half the shit I listened to he called Bad Uriah Heap. You know, but we bonded over Blue Oyster Colt, you know, and Connor and his dad bonded over Zappa. And, and you know, that's a beautiful thing. And uh, so, so we're thinking about you, Connor, and uh, very, very proud, very, very proud of everybody who showed up and and, and gave their condolences and and commented. Man, I, I that says a lot. We we are like the scumbags of podcasting, but yet I think we have the like the best, most loyal audience, and and we really are a family. And and I was very proud of uh, how everybody reacted to that. Yeah, and, and yeah, we do. I mean. We, we, we're known as uh, the scumbag podcast with scumbag listeners. But honestly, if uh, this happened to a decibel geek person, they'd probably tell him, shut up and talk about kicks. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. That is true. Yeah. Uh, but but then uh, another sad note, I, I, I know some of our listeners uh, will know about this and some won't. Some won't give a shit. But uh, lost a real good guitar player the other day, Neil Casal. Who you know, I knew mainly from playing with Chris Robinson's uh, Brotherhood, but he's played with everybody from Willie Nelson to the fucking Dead, Shooter Jennings, uh, just a lot of people. Great guitar player. I was lucky enough to see him, I believe, like three times, and uh, and he committed suicide, and that was real weird because every time I saw this guy, this was a guy. You know, you talk about you saw the Black Crows, and and Rich was all pouting and being a bitch. This is a guy. Every time I saw him was nothing but smiles and 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 always hung out with fans and always did all this shit and and he just posted a few days prior that uh 
uh, you know, before his suicide, he's got these new records coming out and all this shit. And it really, really just caught me off guard. Like, wow, what the fuck? You know? But uh, we also we also had a post that happened right before we recorded, uh, you know, a listener of ours who, who said he's going through his own stuff and, and thanked us for the show because the show helps him, uh, you know, forget about his problems and have fun and laugh. And that made me feel so good because everybody has, you know, bullshit happen. And, and this guy, and, and we've got this from a lot of people. And uh, I never, ever, ever take it for granted. And I know you don't, Ralph. And I know, I, I, I know Chris, and, you know, and Baca, we've all had those messages we've got from fans that, you know, we do this as, as you know, it's fun. It's a joke and stuff. But yeah. there are people who really listen to this and, 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 it, and it helps them. And sometimes we forget, you, you know, what what we do and it's not like we're great or anything like that but but that it's awesome that we are a release for people to forget shit and and that's just amazing because this is something we just do for fun but we we do have an impact and uh really taken back by that and it's it's amazing this should actually mean stuff to people that's awesome chris daniel that's who left the comment yes chris chris daniel yeah, amazing, and it, it was a very, very sweet message. And I know, I know, I've talked to uh, to uh, Chris Enzak, and, and and he shared, you know, not in detail, but you know, messages that he's got from listeners, you know, with the same sentiments, you know. And, and Baco told me many times that that Loose Cannon, you know, wrote him and thanked him because <laughs> he said, without you, you know, I would be doing nothing. <laughs> so, if only know. he were that kind. <laughs> But, but no, it's just amazing. And, and again, uh, you know, we all have incredible fans. And and, uh, and, and it, it's awesome to know that we do make people happy doing what we just enjoy. You know, helps other people. So that's yeah. amazing. But, and on a, this was a bad note, but a good note. What, you know, all of us were at the expo. And what a lot of people remember from the day of the expo is two things the expo and everybody noticed that uh you know everybody's phone's blowing up that uh jeffrey epstein killed himself in jail (laughs) and and then they noticed another thing you know who's not here rock and ron runyon (laughs) i just found out rock and ron runyon not only was released from the hospital but released from jail yeah because he was he was arrested uh suspicion for the the death of uh Jeffrey Epstein, and you know, because there's a lot of talk. You know, they shared the same server and, and, and had had the same interest in young girls. Um, but but he has been a Ron's into girls, huh? Yeah, yeah. Well, well, you know, you know uh, yeah. What, 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 what's younger than a girl? I guess I would say an embryo. Uh, but but He's so much but, into young chicks that he likes banging pregnant girls. Yeah. Oh, yeah, nice. yeah, but only in the first trimester, yeah. you know. Oh man, uh, yeah, yeah. After after six months, they're too old. Yeah, but <laughs> but Rock and Ron Runyon has been acquitted. They found out he had nothing to do with the death of uh, Jeffrey Epstein. Turns out it was Billy Hardaway all along. <laughs> and I know I won twenty bucks because that's where my money was. Um, <laughs> But enough of the sad shit. Uh, hey, uh, real quick, this seriously, I just got a message. 
I got a message from a listener I met at the expo. He had never checked out our show. He had the he he, he had breakfast with me and Luce. He just said he got through 184 episodes of our show. He's a truck driver and he just wanted to thank me. <laughs> wow. Somebody else is about to commit suicide. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm thinking, man. It's like, what, has it been two weeks? You hammered through 184 episodes? Jesus. Wow, so so that's the trick to enjoy your show. You have to be on Yellow Jackets. Okay. Yeah, something. Yeah, you, you gotta whatever. The, what's the good stuff you get from the lot lizards on uh, truck stops? Uh, just to let you guys know, um, remember, I before we started the show, I said I haven't eaten yet. Well, I just finished a full meal because Ian is so long-winded, and yes. also after I ate my stuff, I went to the DMV and got my uh, license renewed. <laughs> and now I'm back. Happy to help. Happy to help, but uh, if I had known, yeah, I would have gotten my tabs. But uh, Baco, since you are a first-time guest on here, let our listeners, yeah, let our listeners know about Cobras and Fires, and uh, you, you know, just you know, I, I mean, I mean, lie, you, you know, talk it up. Okay, let oh, us, so, all right, I don't, yeah. I, I got you. Yeah, I can do that. Uh, well, Cobras and Fire is a, is a show hosted by myself and a, a guy who uh, goes by the clever name of Loose Cannon. Uh, we basically call ourselves a comedy rock podcast. We, we we do you know stuff like what you guys do. We're, we'll, we'll kind of get into a record and, and, and kind of tear it apart and and have some jokes. But the, the main thing is we just we, we just get starting points, whether it's news items or, or making fun of fellow podcasters or whatnot, and and we just kind of go see where where it goes and we, we we try to make each other laugh for about ten minutes and then we play a song. So. Uh, we, we've been doing it for about four and a half years. You can find out everything at cobrasandfire.com. Uh, if, if you want to check it out, you should, I think. Uh, but yeah, we, uh, the Luce and I met as uh, writers for Decibel Geek. Uh, Chris is a podcast, as everybody knows. Yeah, that, that's awesome. And, and and you are a great addition to that show. I mean, I mean, it, you came up with the name Loose Cannon, right? Because he used to go by Irvo Bile Syndrome. Uh, <laughs> and, and, and you changed it to Loose Cannon, so... You guys, you guys are a great team, man, and you're great people. You really make me laugh, and you know, I'm, I'm jealous because you know, Sinzak's show spawns all these great podcasts, <laughs> and, and 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 growing up rock, and we spawn freaking podcasts. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The the free form rock podcast. <laughs> yeah, now you, oh, you know on, you. I Mark. have a mutual admiration with you guys, so. Uh, it's obviously a big, big honor for me to, to join the podcast Kings tonight for the, and, and pop my cherry here, hopefully by the end of it. Uh, and, but yeah, you know, and, uh, thanks to Chris too, for, I mean, so much that he's done to help our show out, uh, him and Aaron, um, in, in different ways have, have been a, a great asset to lean on, but honestly, just the, the community aspect of it that we were pulled into because of Chris meeting guys like you and in other shows and, and, and just getting out and, and there's so much support out there. It's, it's really, you know. A lot of very. I'm getting all you know choked up talking about it, but uh, no, I love you guys, uh, and, and uh, yeah, I appreciate all the the, the positive uh, uh, vibes you sent our way. We had a great time hanging out with you, and uh, in the hotel, in the Uber, yeah. at, at Chris's place. Chris is <laughs> well, I mean, Chris is the VIP here, though. Yeah, got to give it up to Chris. So essentially, all this is my fucking fault. Yeah, yes. exactly. Yes. yes. Oh. All right. Well, I'll, I'll I'll take claim for that, but no, I mean. Well, while we're on, uh, while we're on this uh, teary-eyed type nose, let me uh, and I, I posted a thing on the Rock and Metal Combat Facebook page, but let me say it to the people that are listening: 
without the following for this show and Ian and Ralph's help, the expo would not have succeeded all three years. So it's a huge, huge thank you to all of you guys for, for what you've done to support it. And basically, I'm not living out of a cardboard box thanks to a lot of you right now. Well, Chris, you know, you Agreed. know the, the words are nice and all, but come on, man. Hookers and blow next time, okay? I'd rather have that <laughs> than fucking the verbal. Dude, that's a terrible band. I hate Dizzy Reed. <laughs> what, yeah. is that a band? Yeah. yeah. Blow. But you know how disappointed I was when, when he goes, oh, you got to come to the, the pre-show concert. I, I got an eight ball, and it was a fucking band. I'm like, God <laughs> damn it. Wow. Uh, I made up for it. I made up for it with the the headlining band playing two Sammy Hagar songs just for you. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, and I loved how I was listening to covers and fires. You know, and, and this was a true thing, man. When, when everybody turned around and looked at me <laughs> when, they, when, they, when they played Hagar, and I, I just had to walk was that out. that on episode three? Because I, I haven't gotten yeah, to that one yet. Yeah, yeah that, that was on episode three. But, man, what a great time. And, and you guys were all, you know, I, I you know, Baco, you've been to every expo. Uh, you know, and of course, Chris, you know, but we are like a tight knit family. We're good friends. And, and, uh, you know, and that's why I wanted to do this episode tonight. Cause I knew the album, which we haven't even announced yet. It is legendary, but I was like, man, we, we need to bring some friends in here. And I'm still on that hangover, you know, from the expo. I am still like smile from ear to ear. It was so much fun. So this was the best year by far and and going into this you know and, and chris will attest to this man we didn't know there was a lot of stress uh you know and like oh my god did, did you know did we bite off more than we could chew and everything and it was the biggest success yet and it went flawlessly everybody was happy everybody had a good time and i'm just still like you know people keep asking, i was national and i can't stop talking about it how great it was you know and it and, you know, it's, you know, not only thanks to our listeners, which thank you very much, uh, you know, but, but you know, guys like you and hanging out with you guys and having fun. It was so good. No drama, no bullshit this year. You know, it was just everybody together having fun. It, it was the best. I don't know. There was just a spirit in the air this year, man. And, well, and then we even had people fucking in the bathroom. It was great. Oh, <laughs> oh. Yeah, I my I favorite promise, part of that I promise was me and Hardaway. Yeah. <laughs> My favorite part of the expo is when we all held hands and sang It's a Small World. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> no, awesome. we, we, we sang We Are One, right, Ralph? Uh, no, because Ian refused. <laughs> yeah. No, my favorite part was doing blow with Michael Sweet in the bathroom, but, yeah, you know, I, I'm partial <laughs> cocaine. My favorite part is when he blew me. <laughs> Oh, oh, what's going uh, on? Goes that returning guest. <laughs> let's hope you don't listen. Let's just let's just put Satan in the first uh, on the title. <laughs> but uh, no, seriously, man, I want to thank both you guys for joining tonight. And I know, like, I I just messaged you guys today, like, hey, can you do it? Uh, and you guys showed up, man, and and it's just it's awesome, man. You get you guys are brothers and. Uh, you know, we're all in this crazy world of fucking podcasting and uh, all, all of you have been, you know, you've been help, you've been inspirations, you've been great friends and this is what it's all about, man. Fucking right I'm ra- I'm Cheers. My beer. Awesome. I just got my license renewed too. Cool. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that reminds me. It's, t- it's, it's time for a Pollock joke. 
Uh, uh, I've never Chris, heard any of those. <laughs> Chris, did you hear about the Polish kamikaze? No. He flew 48 successful missions. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> Chris, Chris. Yeah. Why don't Polish women use vibrators? Why? They chip their teeth. <laughs> God. All right. I'm a fan. Right. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not either. <laughs> yeah, because you chipped your tooth on a vibrator? Yeah. What? Okay, bye. Twice. Uh, you got to learn it somehow. I didn't learn. I did it twice. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, why don't we talk about why we're all here today? And that is because of Rock and Metal Combat podcaster, cast listener, Josh Hill. Thanks to Josh Hill, we are going to be talking about the fourth album by Aerosmith, 1976 Rocks. You know, that. You know everybody is so fucking trendy. Everybody out there, oh, this is the best Aerosmith album, and goddamn, I'm trendy like them. Because, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, and, and you know what? I'm going to say this before we go into, you know, I was listening to Rocks right now. I said, fuck, man. You know, I mean, I don't need to study this shit. But I was like, let me throw on the vinyl. And I'm listening to it, and I, I'm thinking to myself, yeah, you know, and I don't know how you, you guys feel about this, but it's weird. I was listening today, and I was thinking to myself, this is the best Aerosmith album, but I'm burnt out on this shit. And it's not one of those albums that's all over the radio. Do you guys feel that way? No. I did I did at one point, but, I mean, I, I it's been a – well, I mean, some of the singles, sure, but – um. But I do think overall, it probably is their best work. It's not my favorite one, though. What would be your favorite? Night in the Ruts. You are the man. See, that one right there is such a close second. And I think the reason why it's mine is because that was technically the first Aerosmith album I bought when it was brand new. Uh, I did own uh, Live Bootleg and Toys in the Attic before that, but that was brand new when I bought it. And it was so special, you know? And yeah. oh my god, do I love that album, man? Oh my god! Oh my god! Yeah, oh, my god. Yes, oh my god, Boston! But uh, I love <laughs> Night in the Ruts. That album is so fucking awesome. Love it. I, I recently reviewed it on the Beer Vault, and it has been reviewed here on the Rock and Metal Combat podcast. Ooh, that's true. That's true. That's an album. And, and I, you know, it's a sentiment I agree. I, I believe it is their best album. Not my favorite. Uh, my favorite would be Get Your Wings. But man, listen to this. And I listened to this album uh, eight times today. And I was just like, wow. Wow. Spoiler alert. Wow. How, how about you, Paco? Are, are, are you even an Aerosmith fan? Is this. Uh, are Not this- really. Um, I did. I agreed to do this because I do think it's a, a, a great record. But I, I don't think there's a record of Aerosmith that I've ever gotten sick of, partially because I didn't really get a chance to to listen to a lot of this stuff until the early 80s when I basically stopped playing sports and started smoking pot. Uh, and then I started making friends that had records that were, you know, all of, of the Aerosmith and ACDC ilk. That kind of stuff started coming into my life. Uh, I've heard this record a ton from, you know, my, my college roommate, huge Aerosmith guy. Um, my favorite record is, is probably Toys in the Attic. I think one of those two, this one or, or Toys in the Attic, I, I think Indy can make an argument for them being the night, uh, the uh, their, their best record, but I lean more towards Toys a, a little bit, although it's probably got two of my least favorite songs on them, the two hits, but th- this is a fucking killer record. There's, I don't know, even the bad songs on here, I, I still kind of dig, so. 
but yeah, I, I thought maybe like it'd be kind of fun to be the guy that like goes, yeah, Aerosmith ain't all that. No, that, that, that's funny you, you said bad songs, because I don't know if you got the memo, but we're reviewing rocks. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll do a track by track. I'll bring them oh, up. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Remember, we'll get there this later. is the guy that said at Chris's house that Power Age was the ACDC's worst album. Yeah, this is true. Oh, yeah. oh no, 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 no. Worst Bon Scott record. Uh, okay, let's be okay. clear there. Yeah, because right. the, there's a lot worse than that album after uh, uh, Brian. Nothing against Brian, but the, the worst ACDC records are with him. All righty. Well, uh, something we always do here is, is talk about how you uh, you discovered the band. So, uh, Sinzak, how did you first get into Aerosmith? In the cheesiest way possible. I saw the video oh. with Rush DMC. <laughs> uh, uh. <laughs> um, I well, I'm I'm like Ian. I, I came into a lot of this stuff very late in the game, like mid '80s. So. You know, I was a kid of MTV. I'd just watch it for hours on end, and that was the video. And I was like, oh, who's that rock band? And then, you know, I had an older brother who was like, well, that's Aerosmith. You should check them out. And then I, you know, started buying all the old stuff. But, yeah, that I mean, that's how I got into them was through that video. So the first time you heard Walk This Way was the Run DMC version, right? Yes, that's correct. Uh, you, you, uh. you are part of that, that, uh, that uh, mid-'80s kid that yep. was, like, into, like, Ultimate Sin and Crazy Nights, right? Hey! Yeah. <laughs> I love Ian, Come on, right. I, I've gone through this with you too much. Right, you know me. Yeah. This is time for my lecture from Ralph. No, I don't have to lecture you. I just <laughs> giggle like a girl and look at you. And point at you. <laughs> All right, well, how, how about you, Baco? Uh, when did you first, uh, well, maybe even if you're not that into him, when did you first discover Aerosmith? Yeah, it would have been like 82, 83. Eh, it was after my mom moved to Arizona, so 83, 84, something like that. Yeah, I, mean, I was talking about experimenting with uh, marijuana for the first time, and uh, uh, my sister's friends that, you know, my, I have an older sister that lived out there, and, and, and she had a group of, of, of friends that were all these uh, uh, druggies that really changed the stereotype of drug dealers for me. But, uh, yeah, they had uh, Aerosmith Greatest Hits uh, basically on a constant loop. And, and that was my first real exposure to them, you know, because during their heyday in the 70s, you know, I was uh, I was much too young to, to appreciate just, you know, how good this band was. I, I could only listen to Kiss. Uh, but uh, I really, um, I mean, obviously they're, they're, they're an amazingly talented band. For some, for some reason, they just never really totally clicked with me. At the same time, I mean, I got most of their catalog, you know, at least in ripped, at, at, you know, on my computer, but... Uh, so I basically heard everything through Pump. I really haven't kept up with them after that, but uh, so that was the first thing. Then a friend of mine borrowed me Toys in the Attic, and I got hooked on that record. But it never really grew much more than that. I mean, I thought Permanent Vacation was okay, but uh, oh, I forgot uh, Done with Mirrors came out between, uh, right before that. I really got into that record a little bit, uh, but I don't know. Like I said, they, they just have never been a band that I've gone deep on and, and purposely went back to, but. At the same time, I've always kind of felt like you kind of have to have Aerosmith in your catalog. Well, well, going back to what you, you said in the beginning, do you feel that your mom left you and moved to Arizona because you were going to do a podcast? <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, she was ashamed. Yeah, well, it was probably like, if anything, you know, she probably encouraged that I did a podcast. There was other shit. She was like, she, yeah, she definitely fled. It's like I got. You know, did, did, did your dad ever look at you and go, "It's your fault"? You know? Oh, daily, yeah, until the day <laughs> he died. Yeah. 
I'm alone because of you. <laughs> I learned it from watching you, Dad. Yeah. <laughs> oh. uh, how about how about you, Ralph? What was, what was your first Aerosmith out? Or, or you said it was Night in the Rock. Does your dad blame you too? <laughs> no, you know I I, I didn't say this because uh, I forgot. Actually, the first Aerosmith album I ever bought was the first one, and because uh, of the song "Dream On" when I was a little kid. And, I, and, you know, even back then in the 70s, when I bought that album, on the album cover it said, Featuring Dream On. I mean, even yeah. back then I didn't get the original uh, version. But I, I remember my next was Live Bootleg, and then um, Toys in the Attic, and Rocks was my last one. And the reason I bought Rocks, and, and it's funny, because I didn't realize how great Rocks was yet. I mean, I heard it at my friend's house, but I was so into that inner sleeve, that cartoon inner sleeve. And I was like, I got to get this album, man. Cause that cartoon inner sleeve is so fucking badass. But yeah, by then that's when I started, you know, when I, cause you know, back then when I would buy an album, I'd play it to death. And yeah, even back then in the seventies, I was like, you know what? This is my favorite one, you know? And then I got uh, night in the ruts. And the last one I got was draw the line. I got, got get your wings before that. But, um, I, uh, yeah, it was, I say I bought this album, um, around the time Live Bootleg came out before Night in the Ruts. I say like maybe 78, I bought it. So, um, I guess I'm the one that bought it first here. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm much like, like Sinzak. Uh, you know, my first Aerosmith album was, uh, was Run DMC, Raising Hell, that said <laughs> featuring Aerosmith on, on, on the cassette. Uh, and, and I remember loving that song, and and then, you know, my dad heard me listen to it, and he's like, ah, "Let's fucking walk this way." And he put on Toys in the Attic, and I was like, "That version sucks," <laughs> you know. <laughs> and really, it was like it was a couple of years before I was like, "Well, I should say, couple, well, maybe maybe about a year," you know. I was like, "Ah, oh, this ain't shit without Run DMC." You know, and then of course when Permanent Vacation came out, I was like, "Oh, I, I like this," and and went back and discovered it, and 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 now I I, I can't even, li- I, I mean I can kind of listen to the Run DMC version, but it's like Jesus, you know, I want to hear the original. But then again, I don't even want to hear that because it's so overplayed. Uh, but a great, great, great fucking band that that really went to hell. <laughs> But in in the in the seventies, man, I mean, this is just incredible. You know, uh, Mr. T from Germany always brings up the fact that you know Aerosmith almost rented the plane that that killed uh, Leonard Skinner, and he said if Aerosmith would have died on that plane, they would have been considered one of the greatest bands of all time because if you look at their their you know output up to that point, like holy shit, I mean, what a what a track record. Even with uh, Draw the Line, <laughs> you know, uh, what a band! And, and they are man. The seventies Aerosmith is just dirty, dirty fucking American rock. They really are like the American Rolling Stones, uh, as, as far as the seventies go. You know, uh, you know the the eighties. You would see a dip. Kiss the Beatles. 
Uh, Jesus Christ. Fucking don't get me started. <laughs> you had to bring up Kiss. Okay. okay. If Motley You wanted Crue, the Kiss numbers. Yeah. Yeah. If Motley Crue does some first band on the moon shit, then Gene and Paul are the fucking Wright brothers in the suck plane. You know? <laughs> Man, that, that is a great point. <laughs> you know? I, I mean, if, if you oh, listen to this shit, you know, you listen around the same time frame and shit, you know, you hear some tomorrow and tonight. Tomorrow and tonight. Wow, yeah, and then you hear fucking That's a good song. Yeah, and then you hear combination. Okay, okay. That's why Ralph was beat up for wearing a kiss shirt. Yep. You know? True story. It, By Led Zeppelin fans. And I was like, yes. but I'm a Led Zeppelin fan. Shut up, you kid. And I guarantee fucking tell you, if Ralph would have had an Aerosmith shirt on, those kids would have left him alone. They would, they would have like let me bang their moms like, like <laughs> exactly. And I, I just fooled Ian. All I did was wear a bang tango shirt, and I don't even like them. Yeah, I was like, I like somebody like you. You know, you're cool. <laughs> All right, well, Baco, since you are the version here, we're gonna let you take the opening track, "Back in the Saddle." Absolutely, I love this song. How how fucking killer is this track? I even like all the little dumb effects they put in there are just cool, like with the horse claps at the beginning there. You, you almost need headphones on to catch some of it, but uh, and the horse whinny when it just kicks in. But uh, the one thing that, because I went back and listened to it a couple times today, and and it just, this is Steven Tyler kind of like almost at his peak. I mean, he sounds so, I mean, there's almost like a, a mid-range tonality he lost a little bit as, as years went on. And I, I don't mean that he became a bad singer by any means. I'm just saying... This is him in his prime, and and there's just so much vigor in his voice, and this this song is a ten for me. I mean, I I, I don't know that I could ever get sick of this track. Mr. Sinzak, uh, I'm gonna echo what he said. It's one of the one of the greatest opening tracks on a rock album ever. Yeah. One of one of Aerosmith's best songs ever. Um, and it's fucking it's for Aerosmith. It's kind of fucking heavy. I mean, it's like it's. It's got a lot of attitude and swagger to it. And like, I actually, one of my best friend in high school hated all the, like he thought all music began in 1990. I'm just saying. And, uh, but enough about this, Aaron Camaro. Right. Well, no. <laughs> um, he thought all music started and stopped between 84 and 90. But I, I put this album on and blasted it. And when this yeah. song came on, he was like, okay, that's actually pretty cool. And I love Joey Kramer's drumming on it with all the little off times, hi hat stuff he's doing. Um, no, just heavy, great guitar riff, great bass thing going along with it. It's just a, a badass song. Uh, Ralph? Yeah, uh, I have never seen Aerosmith open a show with this song. And it's like the ultimate Aerosmith opener, I think. You know? Yeah. That, that and, and I think move uh What's the first song on the first album? Uh, Make It. Uh, is it Making maybe? It. Yeah, those yeah. two. Those two are kind of like the best opening tracks. But um, I always oh thought my. they should open Janie's Got a Gun. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but um, oh yeah, what, what can I say that these yeah, these two didn't say? But um, except for you know that that little beginning with the horse, hear <laughs> horse sound effect. Yeah. Um, I, I read this on Wikipedia. That horse died inside <laughs> Ian's mom. <laughs> True story. True story. Uh. Why didn't you ever tell me that? Look at Ian. He knew this. Uh, that was in Tijuana, 1969. You see, now I want to see your mom again. I didn't know she was a horse fucker. The, the whip sound was uh, um, uh, Brian, uh, the Epstein guy, ripping, whipping uh, Rock and Ron. 
<laughs> no, that was that whipping sound was uh, Ian a couple months ago. <laughs> yes, yes, it was. Oh, oh, oh I all right. We're on a little I, liquor. I, I I love this song. What a fucking opener. Uh, you know, but I I, I should say uh, first of all, I, I should apologize for uh, for Baco calling uh, Stephen Tyler a vigor. Uh, we don't allow that kind of talk on this show. Yeah, you, uh, have, to, you have to say it with an N. Yes. Uh, <laughs> wow. uh, but what a fucking opener. A what a fucking, What a fucking jam. Uh, the sound effects on that, uh, I love reading this. They, they practice in the studio with a real whip, but Aerosmith just kept hitting themselves with the whip. Like they weren't getting the right sound, and they're hitting themselves or getting bruised. And, and other sound effects were tambourines and spurs put on Steven Tyler's boots and also David Johansson from the New York Dolls. So this is a, this is the only Aerosmith song featuring Buster Point Dexter. So <laughs> just for that, it should go down in the annals hot, of hot, history. Hot. Yes. Anal. Yes. Uh, those, those weren't bruises. They were track marks. Yes. <laughs> but enough about Johnny Thunders. Um, uh, great great fucking song and it's one of those you know when I'm listening to it getting ready for it, it's like you know do I even need to hear this again because I've heard it so many fucking times but even with songs I'm burned out on I like to listen to it you know when we're reviewing an album listen to it in the context of the album how does it start it out you know you might be sick of it but listen to the flow of it and what a amazing song uh, you, you know to, to start it off I mean and uh, what I was really disappointed in, though, is listen to this. I really got excited about Aerosmith again. And I started listening to uh, Live Bootleg. And a lot of people love Live Bootleg. And I listened to this. It opens up Live Bootleg. It is fucking horrible on that album. Oh, my God. Does it sound so bad? It sounds like when you hear Joe Perry now. Like, have any of you guys seen the videos lately of Joe Perry playing? Yeah. Sad. Yeah. Yeah, it's sad. He needs he needs to fucking stop. Oh my god, I don't know what's wrong, but something's wrong with him. I, I need to ask Ralph because Ralph is like Nostra dumbass. He always knows when somebody's sick or somebody's gonna die. He knows ahead of time. But you, you see video of Joe Perry playing lately, and it's like, ooh, that doesn't even sound close. And I listened to live bootleg, and I was like, this is fucking bad. And granted, that was on the Draw the Line tour. But man, you hear no, this but, shit. But, but the rest of that album, I, I don't remember it being bad, but God, I love that album. Well, I, I kind of skipped around a little bit because that was always an album I, for whatever reason. And I love live albums. I never got into that. One, that that one's a total live album. You can tell. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There's no touching that up. And if there is, you know, Bob, <laughs> that, Bob Rock. For, yeah, yeah. It's sad because there's a lot of fuck ups on that. Yeah. Well, I but, love, I you know, love it. Triple H Stone's my favorite. Oh yeah, I, I love. But even that, I'll take the studio version that's on Gems. Right. I, I think it's much better. But um, you know, I, I listened to another Aerosmith uh, bootleg that I have. Well, this one's actually a soundboard recording from the uh, uh, Rock and Hard Place tour. And musically, it sounds better. But Steven Tyler sounds like shit. Like I, I don't think Aerosmith sounded good live until they got sober, which I hate saying. But then again, by the time those albums came out, I'm sure everything was like totally touched up. 
You know, but, I saw the first time I saw Aerosmith was uh, rocking a hard place with uh, Jimmy Crespo and Dufay was there. It wasn't even yeah, Rick, Rick Dufay. And uh, they were, they were. Look, I've I've said this before on the show. Like in between songs, Hamilton was swigging off a uh, Jack Daniels bottle he had on top of his uh, amp. Uh, Steven was fucking wasted. He looked like Fu Manchu. He had like this long mustache and. But they were fucking phenomenal. Maybe it's because I was so young and so excited to finally see Aerosmith. And it was in a stadium. They were opening for Journey. That's the one that Sammy Hagar opened the show. You know, the guy that's never opened for anybody since 79. And this was like 82 or something. And uh, they were really good. But maybe, maybe it was because I was caught in the moment. But then I saw the the next time I saw Aerosmith was um, back in the saddle tour. Where yeah. they finally got back with uh, Joe Perry, and that was that was great. And they were still, I think they were just coming off it, or they were dabbling still. And then after that, yeah, they were sober. I I saw it done with Mirror Tours, and I think they were sober by that point. But anyway, uh, Aerosmith was always good live when I saw them, especially man. The last couple times, I am, I, you know, I mean, the set list was weak as fuck. But they did, they did throw out a song from this album that I've never seen him play before, which I'll talk about. But holy fuck, does Steven Tyler still have an amazing, amazing yep. voice. Unbelievable, you know? How good he still sings, you know? But anyway, uh, keep going, dude. Uh, no, that's it. I mean, it's just it, it's, a, it's an amazing fucking song. But then we go into the next song, a funky little masterpiece called uh last child oh my god a great uh this is a brad whitford song who is my favorite member of uh aerosmith man i I think he is the unsung hero well actually like all my favorite members are 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 the guys who never get the press Uh, you know brad tom and joey uh those guys are the backbeat of this band uh never get the respect that that tyler and perry get tyler perry um but uh, man, what a great song! This one was uh, inspired, you know, uh, by the Meters, a New Orleans band that I love. Um, but man, funky as fuck, and the vocals by Tyler on this are amazing, amazing. And uh, you know, this one doesn't leave the set list, and it's always, you know, that they they let Brad Whit- Brad Whitford come up, get his little, you know. 15 seconds of fame, you know, do a little bit of solo and then kick into this song. But this to me is why he's so important to the band because this is an important track and it's all about him. And uh, this was the first album where the other members, you know, had a little bit more input and and something to say. And I think that is the strength of this album Uh, because the drugs are still working. The drugs aren't killing them right here. You know, they're still, they're, they're functioning addicts. And and what a great fucking song! I love Last Child. What do you think, Chris Sinzak? Oh, I absolutely love this song. I, I, I it's the funkiest thing I think they've ever done, and it's one of. Of course, there's many songs on this record, but it's one of those songs where you could put a gun to their head now, and there's no way in hell they could do something like this again. Um, <laughs> it sounds. It, it's one of those. It's one of those songs where it's not a timeless sounding song. It sounds like a song from 1976, but that's what makes it awesome. So, uh, you know, and Steven Tyler's vocals are just phenomenal on this song. And 
But yeah, the riff, Brad Whitford, I mean, and if you like Brad Whitford, you know, check out the Whitford St. Holmes stuff that he did later on. You'll hear a little bit of that same influence and that stuff. But no, this is a this is a killer song and, and it rightfully has its place in the set list, you know, through all these years. And yeah, it's it's this is one that's kind of an unskippable track for me. Yeah, this was the first single. What do you think of this one, Baco? Uh, uh, kind of echo what you guys just said. Uh, I will point out, it, it, I mentioned uh, that the first real Aerosmith experience I had was uh, their that Red Greatest Hits uh, Columbia uh, um, played le- over and over again by my sister's friends. I always thought this song, you know, because you know Columbia always had the worst packaging on everything. I just thought it was called Home Sweet Home after hearing it a bunch of times. It was probably <laughs> late '80s before I knew it was called The Last Child. But uh, yeah, you know what? It's 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 a great tune. It's kind of a weird song too. That's what I kind of like about it, you know. And I don't know, man. I uh, it, again, Steven Tyler is, is shining at he's. At a, at a peak on this record, so well, I don't know, man. I, I, I can't say anything bad about it, Ralph. Yeah, uh, I feel I feel this is like a real signature Aerosmith song. Like this is a kind of like if you if you want to explain Aerosmith to somebody, this is the best song to do it. Uh, they do take a couple twists and turns here and there, even on this album, but. There, you know, it's not that like this song sounds like other Aerosmith songs, but it sounds like Aerosmith. I can't picture another band writing a song like this but Aerosmith. And I think it was Chris that said it, man. I don't think I've ever seen Aerosmith not play this song. It's been a mainstay in the in, in the set list, you know, all these years. And um, I absolutely love it. I think it's phenomenal. Next is Rats in the Cellar, right? Yes. Here it goes into fucking full throttle, fast ass. This one don't. This is a song that just does not fuck around. Um, absolutely love it. It, it, and you get the feel of dirty alleyways and, and the city, the scum of the city. It's got that whole vibe to it. And uh, I just love the way the band cooks. And like you were saying earlier, I think Aerosmith uh, has three very underrated members. You know. Because it's all about Perry and Tyler. But, man, Hamilton's amazing. And, and Joey Kramer. You know, uh, I think it was the Permanent Vacation. And I'm not a big fan of that album. But the Permanent Vacation Tour, that drum solo was one of the greatest drum solos I saw. He jumped off the fucking drums and started doing a drum solo on Stephen Tyler's mic stand. <laughs> I mean, it was, and he had glowing sticks. And, you know, it was dark. And all you saw was, you know, the sticks flailing. I, th- I think that guy is grossly underrated. And yeah, Whitford is, is Whitford's a fucking shredder. And yeah, man, you listen to Aerosmith, the bass on Aerosmith songs, man, that guy is so in the pocket. You know, uh, Tom Hamilton. And awful, and, and you know, I'm Tyler, of course, and Perry ain't nothing to sneeze at, you know. Even though, technically, I don't think Ter- uh, Perry's not even half as good as Whitford. But you know, he's got that, you know, Keith Richards type you know simplistic swagger that works and um and i think this is the band all cohesively going 100 miles an hour and fucking staying on course and it is one of the stand i'd say it's my third favorite off the album it's such a great great song and i love how they use this to open up the amazing greatest compilation they ever put out gems highly recommend that yeah. You know, if you you want to check out like a good Aerosmith compilation, the heavy stuff, gems, and it opens with the 
It does, right? I'm pretty sure it does. I think it opens yeah. with rats in the cellar. Uh, let me check here. Yes, it does. And uh, so I'm going to throw it over to Baco there. Uh, the player extraordinaire. Could, yes, uh, and uh, what, what band did they play bass in? Ozzy and White Zombie. That's right, yes. Uh, and Jesus uh, Chrysler. <laughs> I, I, love, I love these, these rock stars. They get all drugged out. They don't even remember what bands they're in. They're yeah. Crazy. Uh, yeah, this is probably my favorite rec- uh, song in the record. Um, I really dig that kind of uh, oh, that kind of harmonic guitar solo breakdown on this. Uh, the, if I have a complaint on this song, I don't think the, the guitar tone during the solo is very good. Um, but I've never really been a big fan of their their overall guitar tone. Uh, maybe that's a Jack Douglas thing, but I, I would like to talk about Joey Kramer a little bit because you mentioned you know I, uh, the three unsung you know heroes of this band, and he's definitely one of them. This is a very simplistic drum beat, but there's something about it that it almost has this almost Phil Rudd vibe to it that I, I find almost hypnotic, and it really draws me in every time I listen to this song. And, and he's a phenomenal drummer, and this is not an example of, of what he's capable of, uh, but but it just kind of proves just how perfect he can play, like almost play the song. Almost in a way like Ringo Starr was to the Beatles, like he was never like this flashy drummer, but he would always do the, the, the perfect thing. And, and, and uh, Joey Kramer is a much better drummer than Ringo in my opinion, probably everybody's opinion, but uh, I just, I, th- I think he ties this together, but it's such a cool, heavy track, and like you said, it's just, it's seedy, it's dark, and it, it I don't know, it, it fucking, it, it, it's always a killer tune to listen to. And it's the, the kind of the dark vibe of it, the, you know, the seedy New York City type vibe that it, that it puts off is cool, and it, also, it, it just goes 100 miles an hour, it doesn't stop, yeah. it's kind of, a, kind of a relentless track, but it fits in perfectly on the album for the spot that it's in, and obviously, it's, you know, it's, it's the, the counterpart to Toys in the Attic, Rats in the Cellar, so... It's like the sequel to Toys in the Attic, but uh, I, I, I love the, the the lyrics on it. Cheeks are rosy, skin's turning yellow, <clears throat> loose and soggy, looking mighty lazy. Super party pushing up a daisies. I mean, some of the some Steven Tyler doesn't get nearly enough credit for his lyric writing, in my opinion. And yeah, it can get really, really fucking goofy at times, but some of the stuff he puts out is really gold. Is gold, in my opinion. I, I love this one. Heavy as fuck. And uh, yeah, you, Chris, you brought up a great point with uh, Steven Tyler's lyrics. I mean. Holy shit, he, he's right there with like Bon Scott, David Lee Roth. I, I mean, just the way those, he can... Those tr- right there are my three favorite lyricists. David Lee Roth, oh, yeah. I mean, Bon first. Well, my four favorite lyricists. Bon, Dave, Tyler, and me. Yes. <laughs> oh, who the fuck laughed? <laughs> uh, well, and, and Baco said something about Jack Douglas production. Fuck you. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Oh, 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 I wasn't taking a cheap shot at Jack. Oh. I, I, I didn't phrase that well, to be no, fair. I, I think you're uh, just taking too many shots of Jack. That's your problem. No, not enough. I, yeah, in 1976, I was hammering him down. Uh, uh, no. I don't like the guitar tone on, on, on most Daryl Smith records. I don't think it's that impressive. Uh, I, I think Jack Douglas is a great producer. That's Yeah, well, I didn't like your guitar tone on Bobby Blotzer's Roxy Blue either. <laughs> but I, uh, I had nothing to do with that, and you know it is. <laughs> okay. okay. Well, that up. I'm sorry. I, maybe it was your humbucker. I'm sorry. I don't know. It, it just didn't sound right. But I love it. Wait, it gets better. Because holy shit, coming up is combination. Mm. Holy fuck. Tied, t- 
tied. Well, I'm, I'm even as I'm looking at my notes, I'm like tied for my favorite track. But as much as I listen to this album today, I got to say, I think this overtook my favorite track on the album. And that's saying something because the one that was my favorite is like in my top three fucking Aerosmith. But combination, oh my God, is it good. This is, oh my God. Uh, It's good. It's so, so fucking good. And this is the first... uh, you know, uh, you know, I kind of laugh at on, on the album version. You know, they call it like a, a Joe Perry uh, vocal because I, I, I mean, Steven Tyler's layered all over that motherfucker, and and that's what makes it is the combination, if you will. Because <laughs> if you listen to the live versions nowadays when they play combination, don't get me wrong, I'm glad it's in the set, but I, I checked out like four live versions. Uh, that come from the last like 10 years of Aerosmith tour and playing this song and oh my god I want to smack the mic right out of Joe Perry's fucking face and just like let Steven sing this one and, and you just play it poorly uh, but on album it works great and that's why I bless Jack Douglas and, and what an amazing producer I mean what he's done with Aerosmith and fucking Cheap Trick and Oh my god, I, I, I'm a big fan of, of Jack Dylan's productions. Uh, uh, also did um, The Odd Fathers. Alice Cooper. Alice Cooper, uh, I believe Muscle Love was Jack Douglas. And open Sorry. up and say ah. Oh yeah. Oh, uh, uh, <laughs> but uh, but this one, this one, oh my god, and, and just that great lyric like, you know, walking on Gucci wearing, yes, yeah, I or whatever the fuck he says. East East eight, uh, Vallant, uh, can't even stay because I'm too fucking gone. You know, that's uh, so goddamn gone. Oh my God. What a fucking song. What a riff. I mean, just the dirty sexiness of the riff on this is mind blowing. And this is why Kiss fans got beat up because you can't put that (laughs) shit next to fucking... 70s Aerosmith. I, I, I mean, really, you know, like I, I saw somebody post this on our Facebook page. It was an argument over, you know, 70s Kiss versus 70s Aerosmith. And I got for years and years and years, I've been, oh, Kiss, Kiss, easily, easily, easily. But but now as I'm growing older, I'm like, what a joke fucking question. Because you listen to some Kiss shit and then you put on this shit. You know, this is like, you know, you know, guys who are finger banging, you know, to, to guys who are going balls deep. And Aerosmith's going balls deep. And, and Kiss fans are finger banging people. And, and, and it's other boys in the ass. <laughs> you know, this is fucking dirty ass rock and roll. This There's is some big... repressed memories coming up. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but but enough about your brother. Um, <laughs> uh, but, but no, th- this is dirty American rock and roll. You know, 70s hard rock combination. God damn, is this a fucking song. Uh, back me up on this one, Chris and Zach. What you think? Oh, Ian's done? Okay, I was finishing yeah, my tag. Yeah, I, and, I, and I, just, I just went to church and gave a confession of all my I just sexual saved, experiences during that fucking oh, did long you get, winded. I just you, saved a lot of money on go, with switching to Geico. <laughs> all right. I hate uh, kids. 
No, I, well, I, what can I say that Ian hasn't already said or anyone? What can any of us say that Ian hasn't already yeah. said? Um, no, it's <clears throat> killer fucking song. I mean, uh, it just, you know, dirty CD rock, you know, rock. It's almost like the beginning of sleaze rock. I know you, Ralph probably doesn't want to hear me compare Aerosmith to sleaze rock from the 80s, but you can kind of see. I don't actually. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> okay. But you can see where the influence for it came from, from some of this stuff. I mean, it was. This, was, this stuff was a heavy influence on the 80s sound, so maybe maybe we should find Aerosmith at fault for something on that. But no, the uh, the line that Ian perfectly recited about walking on Gucci was, uh, is, that's my favorite song line in the song, for sure. Great, great song. Uh, what do you think, Baco? Yeah, I, uh, um, chiming in, basically agreeing three for three here. Uh, probably, I'm kind of tied for the, maybe the, this one and, and, uh, and in the, the this is probably the, like the last song, one of my favorite tunes on here. But uh, the one thing I, I did want to share that descending riff. I gotta say this carefully, otherwise I might sound like I'm taking a cheap shot here, because uh, I love the damn song. Uh, the descending riff uh, over I would assume is a chorus. It's kind of a weird song, which is one of the cool things about it that it doesn't have that kind of prototypical uh, you know verse chorus build to it. But that that kind of has a, like a little bit of a Funk 49 vibe to it. That that uh, they, it's almost like they they kind of took it and made it their own there. But yeah, it's it's a great tune. Um, I don't know. I, I also Ian's dead on that. Uh, you you the Joe Perry vocal really needs the Steven Tyler <laughs> effect that's on there uh, to to help sell it. Yeah, but yeah, I agree with Ian too. But did he really have to go into like the whole War and Peace book as well? I don't know. I don't see the connection. <laughs> Jealousy will get you nowhere. <laughs> got it. Got you here. <laughs> Damn I, right. I, I love Ian Wadley. I really do. I really do. We all. It shows you how stupid I am. Yeah. All right. Suckers. So this is the song I, I alluded to earlier, which was played on the last time I saw Aerosmith, where everybody went to the bathroom. Uh, because it was like I think I, I, I could be wrong but I think this was a song they played after Love in the Elevator where everybody was going nuts <laughs> yeah. and then they went into this and everybody like either sat down or went to go you know went to the bathroom and shit so um, but yeah yeah and I love the the, the dual vocals you know and, and I think I mean I, you know me I'm really bad at production and not knowing Jack Squat but to my ears, does it sound like Tyler's a little more higher than Joe? Like Joe's kind of lower? Uh, I know, I, so. I agree. Yeah, oh, okay, okay. Because I, I, you know, but I, I liked it. I liked how they both, and they, and they usually don't do that like that much in a song. They do just a little part here and there. Where here, it's like the whole verse is that shit. And this is a, definitely a dark horse, a song that I was like, whoa. When they played it live, because I was like, yeah. "This is a song that I don't even think they played live even back then." I could be wrong, but um, a definitely a dark horse on the album, and so happy that I actually saw them play it live with these members, and uh, absolutely love it. What comes after well, this? Well, well, I want to ask you something, Ralph. Uh, when you saw it, like the live videos that I saw, you know, it's it's Joe Perry by himself. Steve's not helping him out. Oh wow! No, no. Oh, so when you, when you saw him, Steve helped him out. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Okay. That, that must have sucked. Oh yeah, no, <laughs> no, yeah, no, dude. I, I, I watched like four different live versions, and and Tyler wasn't even on stage. 
I think he was back backstage uh, recording his country album. Uh, but it is time to flip the album over, and Ralph, the next song is Sick as a Dog. My God, I love this one, man. Sick as a dog, what's your story? Cat got your tongue. This shit's snotty, attitude-filled, kick-ass. Another standout. This, well, all these fucking songs are standout. But, um... Wow, this is a really good one, and one I've never seen them play live, though it has been played live, but I've never been lucky enough to see them do uh, Sick of the Dog live. Uh, what a great, great, great song. Another another reason why this album is just so fucking amazing. And this is, you know, like I was saying earlier, um, I'm listening to this album today, and I'm like, man, th- these are songs that are not all over the radio, at least not South Florida radio, yet I'm burnt out on this album. And I'm not burnt out. I'm really, I mean, other than Walk This Way and Sweet Emotions, I'm not burnt out on Toys in the Attic, man. I can listen to No More No More all day, you know? This one, I can't. But here's a song, you know, that I don't mind. Like, it it didn't sound, it didn't have that burnout factor uh, on the album. One of the few songs on here that didn't have a burnout factor. And it's, it's really weird. This ain't like no Back in Black, you know, or Appetite for Destruction. You know, this is an album that... At least in South Florida, I mean, I'm lucky if I get back in the saddle on the radio. But uh, Sick as a Dog is a great, great fucking gem. I absolutely love it. What do you think, Ian Wadley? Oh, God damn, do I love this song. Uh, you know, th- this is me after every episode we record. Sick as a fucking dog. <laughs> Too killer to be filler. And uh, to, to me, this is this is a song about being pod sick. <laughs> you know, like the next day, I'm not dope sick, but I'm pod sick. Uh, I'm not burning all cylinders because uh, I'm having fun talking about great albums like this. Oh my god, a, a perfect Aerosmith song, and uh, yeah, you brought up a great. There is zero burnout factor on this. I've never heard this. You know, I lived in Central Florida. You know, I mean, I mean, you know, I, all I heard was fucking Leonard Skinner. You know, while well, you get Miami Sound Machine. Uh, you know, but this is fucking amazing. Uh, Aerosmith through and through. And uh, that's what I love. Even the songs that, that to, you know, the new voice or the casual would be considered filler. This is a standout track. I fucking love Sick as a Dog. What do you think Chris Inzak? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to echo your sentiments. I think it's a fantastic song. I think... Uh... The combination of uh, Tyler and Hamilton writing this makes it a special tune. Also, well, it's funny you mentioned Leonard Skinner. I, I could almost hear this as a Southern rock song. It kind of has a little bit of that vibe to it. There's a lot of good guitar interplay in it. And uh, even like when they say sick as a doll, it's almost kind of twangy sounding. So, um, but it's just, I don't know, just looking at the track list of this thing, it's, it's just, it's really fucking impressive that they could put out i mean they had what a run of albums during this time man i mean like every song is great and i just it's you don't find this anymore and this is an album you just put on and play and i'm i consider myself lucky because i'm to this day i am not burned out on this album and i've listened to it a ton of times so i I consider myself lucky for that but yeah sick as a dog great way to start off side two i think it's awesome what do you think baco wait before baco uh what you just said i mean what a string of albums yeah what the fuck was in the air in the 70s because you could name just about every fucking band in the 70s with string of albums yeah. Acapulco Zeppelin, Gold that's Zeppelin, what's in the air Cheap Trick Pablo Cruz um, 
Kiss, oh my God. I mean, they all released, and, and they released them like, you know, two a year or one a year. And now it takes bands to do albums like one every five years and they ain't as good as this, you know? Uh, there was just something in the air in the 70s. All right, Baco. Uh, well, it's, it's nice that I got to go last. This, to me, is like probably the first week to tune on here. Um, it's ah. not bad, though, I, I but it's it's not one of my favorites. It's I, I probably tipped my hand on what I think the weakest song in the record is with a little cheap shot I took a little back go. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. This song doesn't do a whole lot for me. I, I would like to point out that I first heard this on, on CD format, and I think that kind of changes things a little bit. I know, like, the records that I grew up with and listened to in the 70s and 80s, even cassettes, you know, you had the side A and side B. There's almost a certain, like, uh, enjoyment you get from remembering it that way. Uh, and I think I, I may have lost out a little bit on that with, with this record because I, I don't really get that, like, side two thing when, from my ex personal experience. And, and I think it kind of sucks but uh, uh, because this is a horrible way to start side two. Hmm. You know, That's yeah, it. I, Nothing. No, oh, my God. He has like finally somebody has like something negative to say. Well, that would be Ian. Go ahead, Ian. Yeah. Oh, he's taking a piss. You know, <laughs> something, something, I, uh, something I forgot was I love that little melodic guitar uh, shit going on in the beginning. You know, it's like it almost sounds like it's going to be a ballad, and right. uh, and it goes into this really killer shit. All right, Paco, take the next track. Whatever. Let me, let me ask you real quick before I before I get into that, uh, Ralph, because you I know you have a, a, a gigantic vinyl collection and as well as CDs, if I understand it right. Yes. What do you What do you prefer? Do you like that almost like uh, symbolic, like flipping and having to to get into the the second half of the record? Uh, does Does that enhance it at all for you, or is it just two different things that that you like for different reasons? No, you know, to tell you the truth, um, it, I never really thought of that before. And, uh, but, you know, when I, I you know, because like a lot of these albums that I grew up on, when I listen to them on CD and I don't have to flip it over, it, it feels kind of convenient, you know? But I you mean, still kind of, your, your brain still references it like that, doesn't yes, it? Yes, yeah. it does. When I, when I hear the song, but you see, like in this one, I was like, what was it again? I forgot. Sometimes I forget what sure. opens uh and and you know what? The one thing I will agree with you is that uh, maybe it's not the best song to start side two, but I, I'm not, that's the only complaint I have about the song because I love the song. You know, I think maybe nobody's fault would be a better opener because of the slow build up. You know, but and um, I, I love yeah. nobody's fault. By the way, I, I their testament did a killer cover of this. Ah, uh, you're was wrong. No, uh, oh, I fucking love that man. Ugh. Uh, I mean, it's very different. And when I heard it was an Aerosmith tune, I was like, no. I'm just kidding. I can't get upset with somebody that thinks that Power Rage is the worst Bon Scott album. <laughs> you know, when you say that song is I'm pretty done sure you good, can. When, when uh, you say, oh, Testament did a great great version, I'm like, this guy thinks Bon's the worst album with ACDC's uh, Power Rage, so I forgive him. Okay, fair enough. But, yeah, I, I'm actually, I don't know how much you, you, you know about me, but I, I, I don't really... I, if, if we got rid of every cover tune on the planet, I think it would be worth it to lose the good ones because there aren't that many. I, I think for the most part, they're just a waste of time. But I actually really enjoyed that. I didn't know it was a cover when it, you know, it was one of my favorite tunes on that record. Was it the Legacy or uh, whatever? I, that's yeah, not a it's not a uh, fucking um, testament episode. New but, Order. New, new order, order. There we go. 
Uh, but uh, it uh, when, the Aerosmith version is far superior after I got to hear that. It was one of those things where it was, I had to go listen to it when someone told me it was an Aerosmith cover. But, you know, it, or, anyway, you get where I'm going with that. But I, I actually enjoy it. But, no, this song is killer. Uh, I love that little build-up that you were just talking about and the way it just kicks in. And I just love that, sorry, we're so sorry. It's just, I don't know, so much fun. Is that the next song? It is. Yes. Okay, yes. good. So Paco already talked about it. <laughs> oh, I thought you were kicking it to me. I, I ran with it. No, good, good. That's good that what do you think, Snizneck? I think that... <laughs> Nobody gets my name right. All right. Um... I think it's I think it's awesome. I mean, it's for Aerosmith. It's a heavy metal song. I mean, it's it's yeah. uh, it's one of the best songs on the record, in my opinion. And um, Joey Kramer and Tom Hamilton are fucking awesome on this yes. on this song. Um, especially Joey Kramer, his drum part on this is amazing. Um, but yeah, it's it's a very different song for Aerosmith, and I think that's why it, it has its place on this record. But yeah, I think I think it's a killer track. I, I love and I love the guitar tone on this song. And always has been my favorite song off the album. And uh, total Whitford. You know, Whitford had a lot to do with this one. Whitford and Tyler, I think, wrote this. I could be wrong. But I know right. Whitford had something to do with it. And yep. um, yeah, it, it has Tyler and Whitford listed as a songwriter. And, and Baco, let me tell you, I have never met anybody that doesn't think that uh, Testament did a bad cover. I think I'm the only person that thinks that. Okay. Uh, you know, everybody thinks it's testament did a great cover to this i mean anybody out there you know listening leave a comment you know because uh, i'd like to meet you <laughs> but um <laughs> it, it's so good i love that you know uh you know it's just so heavy and i love that little bridge you know and uh the way he just screams like everybody's um oh my god i can't i can't oh my god I'm a like, god. <laughs> it's like, oh my god, Testament version, turn it off. Uh, but um, I absolutely love Nobody's Fault. It's amazing, right, Sizzler? Yes, oh, it you, is. You, you already went, right? Already went, but right, it is amazing. Well, right, let me go start up the car. Go ahead, Ian. <laughs> yeah, Ian just uh, got back from getting his new tab. <laughs> no, I, I did actually go take a piss. Um, no, I love this one. This is the one that I was saying, you know, tied for my favorite between this and Combination. I absolutely love it. And I do love the Testament uh, cover of this. I, th- I think it's great. Ralph, yes, you are the only one who doesn't like it. But, uh, you know, but but I, I, I love you brought up a great point. Uh, you know, uh, Baco, you were asking Ralph, you know, you know, CDs versus vinyl. Do you miss flipping it over? You know, Ralph misses sending a telegraph, you know, you know ver- versus talking to somebody on the phone, uh, you know, because he's old. Uh, yeah. But but you know what never gets old is Pollock jokes. I figured we've gone so long we haven't we haven't given the great Chris Zach uh, a, a Polish joke. Uh, so back on the school bus. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw this one out to Chris. Uh, Chris, how did the Germans conquer Poland so fast? <laughs> you tell me. They marched in backwards, and the Polish thought they were leaving. <laughs> True Very story. Good. True story. All right, all right. My uh, <laughs> Oh, my God. Is this a great song? Heavy as fuck. Uh, Brad Whitford still says to this day this is his favorite Aerosmith song. And I get it, because he wrote it, and it's fucking killer. 
it is killer and man does this one stand out uh, you know heavy as fuck because uh you know for a band like aerosmith who, who is rooted in the blues uh you know you got elements of funk uh but this is like heavy and they're not they're not black sabbath but th- this is like them at their most black sabbath you know it doesn't sound like it though it's just that fucking heavy and, and we're listening to an album here where, you know, fuck what Baco says. There's not a bad song yet. Like, oh my. This is almost a, a greatest hits album in and of itself. It, it is so fucking good and so solid. And, you know, something that blew my mind, but it made perfect sense when I'm looking at it because I'm even like getting off work. I'm judging how many times I can listen to it when I have to start taking notes. This album is 34 minutes nine tracks and that is the secret to a good album and, yes. and I, I think that's what's so great about the vinyl era you know or Ralph calls the telegraph era uh, you know because you only had so so much time so you had to pick the best songs there's no like bonus tracks or getting you, you know oh I can go forever I can, I can do all this it had to be all killer no filler uh, this is the time you have a lot of do the best with it. Oh. And I, I, I think that brought out the best in musicians. You know, it's no, hot, it's no hot in the shade, but it's good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but, but I mean, that, man, the CD era killed bands because they're like, oh, I can fill it with this and I can fill it with that. And also around that same era, you saw a lot of bands self-producing, you know, to save money and not having somebody say, hey, that track's not good enough, you know. This is an era where you only had so much time. You had a quality producer that would tell you that's going to make the cut. Yep. That's not going to make the cut. And these are the type of albums that leave you wanting more, not you know leave it like God damn, how many songs are left? And again, a song you can never get sick of because you will never hear this song unless you listen to Rocks, you know, or or Testaments of New Order to hear that incredible cover <laughs> they do. Uh, but uh, man, bitch. Oh my god! Oh my god! Don't you know? I love it. But we'll go into the next song. Uh, uh, Ralph's still in line at the DMV, so I'll go into the next song. Get the let out. If I had to pick a least favorite song, it would be Get the Let Out. But if Get the Let Out was on any Aerosmith album post Pump, it would be the best song on the fucking album. So that says something right there. Even even I just recorded myself falling down the steps, and that's that's also true. I thought I heard a CC Deville guitar solo. Take it outside. Razzmatazz. Look it up. No, not the front. Jump in the back. Why? Why? Show you something. Uh. Yeah, this isn't a horrible song, but it, it it isn't a great song. But on this album, it's a little bit of a dip, but not enough dip to make me skip. I, I still dig this one. What do you think, Chris and Zach? God, I've been agreeing with you on everything, and I'm going to continue doing it here. But uh, yeah, I I I guess if you could call a least favorite track on here, this would be mine as well. I mean, but it's still I love every song on here though. Um, I think I, I like the live version from Texas Jam from this better than the, the studio version, but I don't know. It, it's 
it's a great song. I mean, there's not really much I can say of negative about it, but um, it's I don't skip it. I don't skip any of these songs. So I mean, I, it's a Tyler Perry, co- you know, uh, composition. That's a big word like gymnasium. And uh, no, I dig it. I always have. But uh, yeah, I guess it's the least my least favorite on this on the song. What All do you right. Think? Well, for, for a true negative response, let's go to uh, Loose Cannon's Hetero Life Mate. Baco, <laughs> go ahead, shit all over this one. This song fucking blows. I'm sorry. This is this is not a good good Aerosmith song. Yeah, this this is a skipper for me. I mean, they like it's nice to have a CD so you can skip it easily. With vinyl, you have to get up and lift the cover up and drop the needle over. And that was a lot of work. So that's probably why you heard it so much uh, uh, at your mom's house. But uh, or my mom's house. I don't know where I was going with that. Uh, okay, okay. I, I'm, I'm sorry to cut you off. I'm sorry to cut you off here, but I'm gonna, because I, I, I want like you know, like a little warning notice here to our listeners. And I do listen to your show, Baco. Yeah. Okay. Uh, uh, Baco Again, at Rock and Pod Three interviewed Toby Wright, and, and and talked about him producing Sammy Hagar's Red Voodoo, and said, <laughs> "Oh, that title track." Is one of my favorite Sammy solo songs. <laughs> that yeah, one's Ian, great. Ian, Ian, hang up on this motherfucker. <laughs> no, oh, I, 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 I just got to throw that out. I the love rep- Red Voodoo. Oh, my Why God. Why don't you just say I love cock? <laughs> I love cock. I, because saying I love cock, <laughs> saying I love cock and I'm, you know, is too manly to saying I love Sammy Hagar. You know so, what? Steven Tyler got sober. He listened to this track, and that made him go country. That That's how bad this song is. Okay, well, at least that's funny. I like that. I okay. like hey, that. Ian, Ian, we did, we did and I like right, cock. Hey, hey uh, Ian, we did do the right move to put fag on his forehead on a little mask. No, unfortunately, I put it on fucking uh, on, on loose cannon. Uh, well, there's always next year. Bring us two mile rats. Yeah, yeah. No, Baco's the gots. Like I said, gots a lot of dicks in his mouth. <laughs> gots, terrible yeah. taste in Yeah, ex- oh, you beat me to it. <laughs> uh, yeah, show me in the doll where Sammy Hagar touched you. <laughs> oh. Yeah. oh. Oh, well, well, I'll tell you what, Baco, give me any one of the dolls you play with and I'll show you. <laughs> Ooh, uh, that is a good uh, zinger comeback. I've not taken them out of the package. <laughs> They're action figures, damn it! All right, all right, Ralph, save this episode. What do you think of? Uh, <laughs> well, I have to disagree with all you guys because I think this is my least favorite song on the album. Oh, okay, bye. No, but I love this song. I, I do love the song. It's just my least favorite. I, I can't understand how you guys don't think the same way. But um, but it's great, and and uh, I do also think that the Texas Jam version is even better. Um, it's a great tune. It's a, it's a, you know, it's a scat fucking groove, uh, Aerosmith tune, you know? And, and I think it's well positioned on the album. It's filler. Uh, scat Jack groove. Du- scat Jack groove. Douglas That's... didn't have the balls to stand up and say, guys, not this track. It should have been an eight track record. Yeah. Scat groove is what Baco's mom charges $10 for. <laughs> oh, man. That bitch charged me 15 Oh God, uh, that cunt! But anyway, I I, I loves this track. Now we go to the last one, right? Home tonight. No, 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 You're... no, licking a promise. Yes. Yeah, another another dark horse on this one. Um, anyone that doesn't like this has a shitty podcast. Uh, this tune. Um, it's fucking <laughs> hey, awesome. Hey, hey, Mark Allen Taylor's not here to defend himself. Yeah. Hey, let's give it up for Mark. Come on. 
Yeah, Come on, yeah. He's still doing it after all this time. And now you that know? you brought it up, Bushy's not here either. God damn it. Oh. <laughs> well, I don't look at Bushy's numbers, but Mark's, oh boy. For him to continue with those numbers. <laughs> but hey, he's got Lee Gershman on his show. Hey, I yeah. looked at Bushy's number. All I saw was one. Or was it an eye? I don't know. Yeah. I listened. <laughs> oh, you were the eye. <laughs> I want to say hi to Bushy's girlfriend, Debbie. <laughs> you have to listen to the last episode to get that joke. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's a really... It's it's a good it's a great tune to come on after the last one. Uh, it gives you like a little more of a melodic, different type of groove, and uh, I love the verses of "Licking a Promise." It's just yeah. it's just a great fucking song. I think. Uh, Baco. I, I you touched on the verses. I think the verses are amazing. The melody and the the, the way they they work over the, uh, the the music behind it. It's it's just really killer. Another one of my favorite tracks on the record, uh, but the one thing is that at, when they finally get to the chorus, it, it feels like they kind of like punted a little bit. Uh, they because because of the verse and, the, and all that stuff is so good. It, it almost like it feels like when they get to the chorus, like I was kind of hoping for something a little better, but it, it's not that bad. It, it, it's still a pretty kick-ass tune, and yeah, uh, a great way to just come close to ending a record. Uh, I uh, I love this song. I actually played this on Decimal Geek a couple of months ago, uh, just for one of the Radio Suck shows. But yeah, it's uh, I, I don't know. This might be in my top ten favorite '70s songs of theirs. So I I've always loved this song. And as you mentioned, the the, the verses are, are definitely better than the chorus. But uh, but no, it's it's a great album track. Certainly, probably not single material, but uh, definitely one that I always enjoy listening to. What do you think, Ian? Oh. I fucking love this one, and to me, this is Aerosmith. Taxi, taxi. This is through and through Aerosmith, uh, and, and it gets it doesn't get any of the respect of a lot of the other songs on this, but it's quintessential Aerosmith. I mean, you know, a lot of people ask like, okay, if you want to describe to somebody what's Aerosmith, uh, you, you know, this one is a, a hit, but I would say listen to this. This is Aerosmith from beginning to end. Perfect. I absolutely love this fucking track. Uh, really, really a, a dark horse, but, uh, you know, it, it's, it's fucking amazing, man. It's licking a promise. But now we go into the last song, which is Home Tonight. Oh, my God. Is this? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. This is almost better than Beth. Uh, <laughs> way better than Beth. Yeah. What what a a fucking beautiful beautiful ballad. And you know, long before Motley Crue made it the norm where you had to have a ballad on your album, Aerosmith always had those ballads. But the great thing about them, they weren't forced, and they came yep. from, they came from the band. You know, this this was you know this, this is an era where you didn't necessarily have to have a ballad, but Aerosmith always had that that mid tempo or that slower song, but it came from a pure play. And this was the second single off the album. Mm-hmm. Uh, didn't do as well as as Last Child or Back in the Saddle, but what an amazing song! And and I would much I would love to go to an Aerosmith song where they're like, oh, uh, something happened. The teleprompter's broken. We can't play uh, Dream On. You know, we're gonna play Home Tonight. 
I'd be like, fuck yes. You know, because to me, you know, you know, Home Tonight, You See Me Crying, Seasons of Wither, mm-hmm. you know, these are amazing slower, you know, ballad-type songs done by Aerosmith before they were obligatory, you know, before you had to have. Nowadays, you get an Aerosmith album, there's like three or four slow songs, and they're forced. They're so forced and so contrived. This is a song that comes out naturally, just like Steven Tyler got on the piano, started playing this, and... And the rest of the band joined in, and it came from the heart, it came from the soul, and it translates when you listen to it. There's nothing forced about this. It's, it's just natural, and god damn it, when they hit the mark, who can do a ballad better than a fucking Aerosmith? And what a way to end the album. I mean, uh, a perfect crescendo, if you, if you will, because you've got a really heavy album with lots of great hard rock. And then you you send everybody out with a beautiful fucking song, and it's a shame this has never been played live. Because uh, I mean, I mean, what do you want to hear? You know, uh, home tonight or fucking you know crying or fucking amazing, you know, or some fucking dreck like that. Uh, oh my god! I mean, this is oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! <laughs> oh my god. Uh, you know, you know this. Oh my god! I mean, oh it's, oh no, it's no Shandy, but uh, you know. I love Shandy, man. Yeah, That's a great tune. Uh, oh, oh, okay. I should say it's no forever, you know, or every time I look at you. Uh, this is there. this is how you do a ballad, and you do it right, and you do it from the heart, and it, it's something that stands the test of time. Absolutely love it. Uh, but Baco. Why don't you bitch about Jack Douglas' production on this song? A <laughs> oh, hey, hey, taxi guy, how much do I owe you? Yeah. Oh my god. Uh, oh my, my god. god. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, Tensei. Uh, yeah, I like this song, but I liked it a lot better the first time I heard it when it was called God of Thunder. Oh. No, huh? no, nothing there that was uh, swinging a miss. Uh, no, this song is killer. Uh, I, I, it reminded me did, a lot did about. Did Loose uh, Cannon write that joke? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> If it bombed, then yes, he did. Uh, not just a swing and a miss. They just put you on the bench, dude. Oh, man. Uh, yeah, uh, Baco, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to save you here. Did you got reassigned to the miners. Did, did you hear about the Polish admiral who wanted to be buried at sea? Hey, hey, Ian, Ian, Ian. I didn't hear about the Polish admiral that they wanted to bury at sea. Please tell me what happened. Five sailors died digging his grave. <laughs> I fucking love you, man. I, love you. I, I would, you. I would laugh again, but I am hypersensitive PC. Yes. Oh man. All right, back to you, Baco. Okay. Oh my god. Baco, oh my god. <laughs> uh, home tonight. Yeah, I love it. Honestly, it, it reminded me. You you mentioned it already, but it's a very similar way they closed out Toys in the Attic with you see me crying. I I I think it's a perfect. It really does feel like an album you know when you listen to it and, and skip you know track seven but uh i th- i think i don't know it's a very common theme in rock music you know the the whole uh i'm coming home that kind of deal uh you know you know leave a light on from you however you want it but steven tyler just delivers it perfectly and uh just a well-written song i really can't uh, elaborate a whole lot more than 
to say things you already said, Ian, while I was I don't know, <laughs> running out to change a tire on a neighbor's car. But uh, I'm just trying to piggyback on Ralph's joke all night. But uh, hey, it's uh, funny. Run with it. I like it. It's, uh, but yeah, the whole I'm coming home, baby. I'm a rock star. You know, it's tough being on the road. You know, it's like, you know, it's like you're, you're basically getting your dick sucked while you're calling your, your girl and saying I'm going to be home. And uh, but not right now. Uh, but anyway, yeah, it, it really is cool. Uh, and, and you're right. They they did ballads in a way that that um, bands weren't really pulling off at the time from Dream On to uh, You See Me Crying to this track. You know, there, there's so many examples in the 70s Aerosmith where, where they it was it didn't it didn't feel as forced as it, it ended up being like in the mid 80s to the you know for the rest of that decade but anyway that's my thoughts Christian Zach well <clears throat> hard to hard to follow up all that I mean I just I, I agree completely I I love the 70s because they, it seemed like there was a lot of rock bands that were ending albums with ballads which I think is a cool way to end a record and it, it kind of just leaves it with a good taste in your mouth unlike uh, Ian's mom but uh, <laughs> but uh that's a great point yeah that's uh, probably the sure. best point made all night um uh, that's hard uh, to swallow <laughs> not, not for your mom you know, well you know what Brett Michaels thinks um but uh no I I love the song and I, I and, and like Baco said the way it's very similar to you, you see me crying at the end of Toys in the Attic and Seasons of Wither. I mean, Aerosmith. I mean, they're, they're you know, till we get into the '80s, all their ballads were always really great. So, uh, and I Dream On is played out as hell, but it's still a great yeah. song. But, uh, but no, it's a it's a killer way to end the record. And the fact that it starts with like a ferocious song like Back in the Saddle and then ends with this is there's a lot of different shades on this record. It's not just the same thing through the whole record. Which there's a lot of good variety on this one. I, uh, you know, just it's been fun to, to revisit this record because there's just so many great songs on it. And I'm certainly going to end up probably spinning the shit out of it for the rest of the week this week because we talked about it tonight. So thank you guys for, for having me on to talk about this one. All right, right on. Um, <clears throat> what do you call? Um, I, I'm pretty surprised when Ian said this was a single because, uh, you know, it, it doesn't sound like a single to me, even though it is a piano ballad. But you know when when Steven hits those high notes and shit, I don't think that would translate well to the masses. It uh, didn't. <laughs> it only went no, to actually, yeah, yeah. Obviously, yeah. it didn't. Uh, so I am pretty shocked. But I also agree a hundred percent with Ian. This is not a planned out ballad. This ain't you know oh let's think of you know. And plus there was no you know formula back then with the power ballad and shit. It feels inspired. Know. It feels authentic. Yeah, it feels, you know, it reminds me a lot of, the only other ballad I can think of that's as authentic as this is uh, Reason to Live off Crazy Nights. <laughs> mm. uh, all right. I deserve that one. Uh, <laughs> I like that song. Uh, yeah, I like yeah, that song, yeah. In my, in my defense, Chris, that was aimed at Ian, not you. Wow, that's the song that got me into the band, so. Oh, Are wow. Are you sure you don't like comics? Hey, hey, Chris, I was trying to save you there. Don't dig your own grave. Fucking yeah. Polak. God it's, damn. It's, it's, it's already a... Dig that, your own that, ocean that, grave. That, that story's been out there for years, but you have to listen to Decimal Geek to know that, I guess. Yeah, but nobody here would know that. Exactly. <laughs> Is there a Crazy Nights oh. episode on Decimal Geek? No, we haven't done one on that record. No, oh, but I, man, I, I, I'm I waiting did. with bated breath. 
But I did fire covered it and hit some. Can I be on that show? <laughs> no, we, we already did it. Uh, yeah, we did it on our show. I was <laughs> on that episode. I'm saying on the decibel geek one. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, we'll have you on. You'll be the voice of dissent. <laughs> oh, oh, so so Ralph wants people to hear his opinion. <laughs> Remember, Ian, I'm the one with the ego, okay? Stop. Okay, okay bye. That shit hurt, like, really bad. <laughs> I'm in the fetus position. That's hot. No, it's not. All right, all right. Do you get anything more to say about home tonight, Ralph? Yeah, everybody's got a reason to live. <laughs> I love it. It's one of. It's probably in my top five. It's hard to pinpoint my favorite Aerosmith ballad. Obviously, my all-time favorite Aerosmith song is um, uh, a ballad. You know, Seas of the Wither. But then you got, you know, and I don't give a fuck if it's a cover or not. But man, Cry Me a River is. Oh, ooh, yes. Yeah, that That's... one and. Uh, they, they have several I really like, you know, and this is up there, man. This is one of my favorite Aerosmith ballads, you know. But again, I'm very shocked it was a single, because uh, you know, out of every Aerosmith ballad, other than Season Wither, I, I I wouldn't put this as a single. Yeah, the the three singles, the the first one was Last Child, second one was Home Tonight, the third single was Back in the Saddle. Well, there you go. That's all I got to say, there, Ian. All righty, well. Uh, there's much debate on when this was released. Uh, some sources say May 14th. Some say May 15th. Some say uh, May 25th, 1976. May uh, 25th? Oh, my yes. God. Oh, my God. But it was produced by Jack Douglas and Aerosmith. And this album was one of the first albums that was ever shipped platinum which something you know kiss oh my god would be very famous for yeah. uh but off the success of toys in the attic this one was shipped platinum luckily it actually sold platinum unlike the solo albums yeah it wasn't sent back <laughs> um but uh, as of the late 90s this album is four times platinum uh which to me is still not enough when you think about the fact that Van Hagar's 5150 is six times platinum. That just shows you there's two million people in fucking Minnesota who think fucking <laughs> Sammy Hagar South is worth it. Yeah, yeah, Southern Canada. Oh the red my voodoo God. sucks. <laughs> yes, it does. The red voodoo smile. Oh my God. Oh my God. Uh, that reminds oh me. God. When you talk about who is bigger, Van Halen or Van Hagar, I remember that song, Little White Lies. Um, anywho, uh, I want to thank Josh Hill for picking this one, and I want to thank uh, the great Baco and Chris Sinzak for guesting on this. This has been a very fun episode. Uh, I'm here too, Ian. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I, I, was, I, I was saving the biggest ego for last. You didn't, let, you, didn't, you didn't let me finish. Oh, and, and thank you, Ralph, for letting me ride your, your coattails to the end of this episode. Aw, don't mention it. Uh, I won't. Um, all right, well, now it's time to go into pick of the week. And, uh, Baco, you are the virgin, so what would be your pick of the week for our listeners? Now, I, uh, help me out here. Is this something I'm picking off this record? No, no, you pick an album, any oh, album. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you actually listened to the fucking show. 
Yeah, no, well, he's, man. Ian, not, it's quite obvious he doesn't listen to us. You heard his fucking uh, his podcast. Zero influence. Oh yeah, man, I I, I uh, I'm in a box here now. Uh, no, I, no. You, oh, oh, okay, I'll, I'll I'll break it down for you because. Uh, uh, what you do here is you pick an album that you think our listeners should listen to. It can be related to this. It can be unrelated to this. I, I, I mean, you can be okay. A total... I know what you're talking about now. Okay, you uh, can be a total prick and say, "Oh, Jesus Chrysler, get it on eight track and cassette through uh, uh, BMG." Uh, yeah, you know, I, actually, uh, Luce gives me a hard time for not being shameless enough on on some of the self promotion with my band, so I'm, I'm not gonna go there. Uh, and I, and I would be fun to recommend a Sammy Hagar record like Red Voodoo, but, uh, oh, but it won't work with, with our listeners. Yeah, yeah. Okay. You know what? Something uh, somebody wants to listen. Yeah, our, our, our listeners have actually gotten laid, unlike Joey Heine. And okay. our listeners actually know about Q-tips. Yes. I'm going to go with the record I've been listening to a lot this year. How about that? Uh, That'd be great. I think, uh, Ron Keel, uh, it released a Ron Keel band record, uh, uh, I can't remember. Shit, I, I think it's just called the Ron Keel Band. Uh, what the fuck is the album called? Sinzak, do you, is it self-titled? Yeah, uh, or is it Fight Like a Band? Fight Like a Band. Thank you very much. Jesus Christ. Uh, anyway, I actually think it's, it's, it's an amazing record. Uh, it, it, he, he came out of nowhere with probably the best record of his career. So that would be my, my pick uh, for the listeners. If you haven't. That's a that's a great pick because I've never heard it, and I am a fan of Keel, so I definitely will check it out. Right on. Yeah, and, and I'm I'm awaiting the, the next album. He came out of nowhere and then he went back. Oh jeez. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Ron Keel is a super nice guy. A super, super nice fucking tall guy. That's goddamn shit. Holy fuck, I was shocked when I met him last year at Rocket Pod at the pre party. My god, that guy's tall. Jesus. I, I know I didn't have the balls to tell him what I thought about Keel after I saw him. Like, oh, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's Ron Keel, a super nice guy, a former guest here in the Rock and Metal Combat podcast. Really cool guy. That's awesome pick, Baco. So we're going to throw it over to Mr. Chris Sinzak. What's your pick of the week? Uh, I've turned a lot of people onto this band through my show, so I'm going to try to do it with your listeners. Um, and they have a new album coming out pretty soon on frontiers it's a band called eclipse from sweden and uh if you're into like the blue murder white snake 80s stuff docking you know stuff like do what sweden sweden yeah stuff like that um you'll really dig this it's basically like melodic metal and uh they're just great and uh, i'm gonna suggest you start with what i started with it's a 2012 album called bleed and scream it's a great record check that one out awesome Ralph, do you have a pick of the week? Uh, yes, I do, actually, there. Ian, rarely I do have one. Uh, and it is related because Jack Douglas produced it. And uh, it's very different. It's a very different album. I don't think this band's ever made an album like this. And it was their debut album. I'm talking about Cheap Trick's first album. It's raw. It's got punk feel, a metal feel. It's demented. It has a beautiful, beautiful ballad. One of the greatest ballads ever, Mandicello. Which, by the way, Chris, at the Rock and Pot Expo, one of the girls there had the lyrics written on her arm, which was pretty fucking wow. cool. That is really yeah. great. Yeah, and, yeah, and that album is just, you know, sometimes it's my favorite Cheap Trick album. Cheap Trick is like Black Sabbath. I, 
I can't pick a, a favorite album. Sometimes, ah, oh, this is the best one, and that's the best one. But fuck it, today it's my favorite one. It's it's the heaviest, it's the rawest, and uh, there's not a bad song to be found on it. It is quite a unique, a unique album too, and. Um, I highly suggest people that aren't that aware of Cheap Trick or just know the hits to check out the first Cheap Trick album. It'll it'll surprise you how heavy it is and how unlike <clears throat> Cheap Trick it is. You know, I think they kind of touched upon it a little bit on the 97 album. You know, it had kind of that vibe. But that's my pick of the week. The Jack Douglas produced first Cheap Trick album is awesome. Thank you. And don't get it confused with all these. Uh, how many Cheap Trick albums are called just Cheap Trick? I think it's just two. <clears throat> but yeah. it's the 1977 one. Uh, I highly recommend it. Awesome. All right. Cool. Well, my pick of the week, uh, I'm staying close to the best here, what we're talking about this week. And uh, something Ralph brought up. And I, I think it's important because I think this is... I'll be right there. Hold on a second. I'm, I'm about to go build a building. Okay. <laughs> All right. All right. Uh, th- this album, uh, I-, I think, is a great... In- this is probably the best introduction for, for uh, a new voice to uh, Aerosmith. And that is the Greatest Hits Collection. And you can't even really call it a Greatest Hits Collection. It's just a collection of Aerosmith songs. Came out in 1988 called Gems. And... Oh. And basically what this is, is the best Aerosmith songs that weren't played on the radio. I mean, you got shit like Rats in the Cellar, Licking a Promise, Chip Away the Stone, the studio version, which is the only way to get the studio version. No surprise. Reason to Live. Mamakin, Adam's Apple, Reason to Live, Nobody's Fault, Every Time I Look at You, Round and Round, uh, Heading for a Heartbreak, Critical Mass, (laughs) Lord of the Thighs, Jailbait, uh, you know. Give it to so, me good. Someone like you. <laughs> train kept a rolling, and uh, and uh, something to believe in. Electric uh, boys with electric boys. That's right. Uh, but what a great collection! And and you, I've, I've never seen anything like this. I, well, I've seen a couple like uh, the best of the rest and stuff like that. But this is the greatest collection. Of songs to represent a band that aren't played on the radio, but that came uh, out to the to the chagrin of the band, right? That was after they they broke with uh, uh, with Columbia, uh, yes. yeah, with Permanent Vacation, and yeah. then suddenly Columbia was like releasing this as like they because it was like did, did they do like a classic live one yeah. and two around the same time? Yeah, yeah one and two. So yeah, it's amazing that it's actually a really kick ass group greatest hits. And the band didn't, didn't or well, mainly because of money, they didn't want it out there. Right, but yeah, this is when uh, they jumped ship, you know, because uh, Columbia didn't give a shit. They were on Geffen now, but they were trying to, uh, you know, uh, cash in on the success of Permanent Vacation. Uh, but it, it's it's an amazing collection, and it, it's probably I think like the second or third Aerosmith album I ever bought. But man, did it did it, you know steer me in the right direction? And uh, and I wish more bands did this, you, you know, not not the fucking shit you hear every day on the fucking radio, but the other songs that make this band the great band they are. So, Gems is my pick of the week. 
Wow, Ian, you were done so quick. Uh, we finished the building, but we haven't painted it yet. Yeah. That oh. was pretty quick. Thanks. Yeah. Well, I, I I do my second best. We sheet rocking. All right. Well, now it's time to go into fan of the week, and fan of the week is the man responsible for this episode, and that is Josh Hill. And what really fucking you know tickles my pickle is this man is even younger than my son. Uh, and and this is the album he picked, and he has another album. Yeah, you know, this is a guy who donated not once but twice this year to the Rock and Pod Expo. Wow! And awesome. and how amazing! Thank I mean, him, Chris. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yes, and, and you know we have a listener coming up who donated for four episodes. Wow! For wow. this year, so yeah, yeah. So I mean, hey. Chris already thanked you guys, and he means it from the bottom of his heart. But this this just shows you how rabid our audience is. And we talked about it earlier. I talked about what a family we are. And I'm so proud of you guys. And it, it's awesome that, that a man in his young 20s who probably grew up with, you know, a whole, you know, different era of metal he grew up with. But he had, you know, he knew his history. He knew what to do and pick this album and josh you've been uh you've been part of our page for two years now and it's amazing man and i thank you for all your support and i can't stress enough you know what you guys do with these donations helps make this expo what it is and it's got it's doubled in size every fucking year and it's because of you guys and and there is going to be a rock and pod four and i want to see all of you like I said in our last episode, start saving money now. If money's an issue, put 20 bucks aside a week, man, to, to be part of this. Because what Chris has created has become a phenomenon. And it's only getting bigger every year. But it's thanks to people like you. Thank you, Josh Hill, so much. It was a pleasure to do this episode. This is one of those I knew I didn't have to study it. I knew Ralph didn't have to study it. But I was like, let's kick it up a notch. And that's why I invited Baco. That's why I invited uh, Chris Sinzak here, you, you know, to make it the best it could be. Because, you know, nobody's going to shit on this album except maybe Baco, you know, but he likes Red <laughs> One song. Yeah. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Jesus Chrysler, get it right. Jesus Christ. Oh, my God. Here we go. <laughs> but, uh,. But thank you so much, brother. Thank you for contributing to the yeah, page. Thank you, bro. Mr. Hill, you rule. Yes. And uh, and, and also, I, I from the bottom of my heart, I want to thank you, Baco, for guesting on this. Man, I, I, I love what you do. I love your show. You've been a great supporter and a great friend. And uh, it means a lot to me. And it means, you know, hardly anything to Ralph. Uh, <laughs> but... Uh, Honestly, right back at both, yeah. You guys have both been, I don't know, really kind to to Luce and I, and in our in our stupid little show, uh, and and yeah, it's an honor to be on the show and finally burst my co uh, my rock and metal combat your, cherry. Your colon. Yeah, my yeah, burst my colon. Uh, uh, yeah. Well. What my With mother Ian's started, mom we're going to finish. a strap on or something. <laughs> well, you know, look, I, and, and this is sincere. I'm not going to make no joke here. This is the truth. Uh, <clears throat> see, you know, Ian, Ian was, you know, is really appreciative of you two being here. And I'm not making no joke of this. It is true. Ian is doing all this because he, he knows I'm going to dump his ass. He's going to need a podcast to go to his ass. <laughs> but me, I'm being very sincere. And Ian can back me up on this. 
Hanging out with Baco was a fucking blast. Uh, it was so much fun uh, hanging out with him and Luce Cannon. But Luce Cannon had to go masturbate in his room or something. He, <laughs> he didn't go the extra mile to come in our room, but he's great people. It was really cool hanging out with him. And, of course, Chris, man. You know, not only because of all the great things you do with the, with the Rocket Pod, but, it, you know, it was really, really awesome going to your house and hanging out there. And uh, I even drank, which is a very rare thing. And, <laughs> I yeah, I was drinking. I got drunk. I drank like six beers and I was sloshed. But yeah. um, you should drink more because you shut the fuck up when you drink. See, now this guy's gonna beg you guys to go oh, on their podcast. God, See, I told you it was gonna happen. <laughs> We're witnessing history right now. That's right. <laughs> Well, we've had Ian on our show. We definitely got you on, Ralph, and ideally both at the same time. I'm getting on the phone with Lee Gershman. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you had me scared. I almost thought you got Lee Gershman there for a second. Lee Gershman. Give it up for Mark, man. Look, look, honestly, Mark Allen Taylor needs a big applause for having Lee Gershman on his show, and he still doesn't know how to pronounce his name. All right, Mark. Well, on our show is Lee Gershman. And you, know, and you notice, like, he says semi-Hagar. <laughs> yeah. The, the biggest failure Disney ever had was John Carter. The second one was Lee Gershman. And, and Mark Alden Taylor. Lee Gershman. And um, I love how Lee never corrects him. Because <laughs> he's all drunk on Bach anyway. But anyway, these two guys are great. I, I really enjoyed hanging out with. You know, Luce Cannon was awesome, too. Uh, but I, I wish he would have hung out with us. A little more, but Baco, you're an awesome dude, and uh, and right Chris, on. thank you, Ralph. Without saying, yeah, you're welcome, bro. And and yeah, and Chris, dude, Chris, like, he really goes through a lot of shit, like going through. Yeah. Uh, uh, I'll never forget, uh, and it and it's documented on video. Uh, the second one, the second um, rock and pod, when I went up to him in my <laughs> Vinnie Vincent makeup. And oh he was like, yeah, he was like, oh Not man, now. I ain't got time for this because well, this guy, this guy yeah. spends the rock and pod. Like, everybody's like, he's like the babysitter. Yeah, pretty uh, cool. Uh, this table or that, this, this microphone and that guest. And, this, and and Chris does so much. You know, it's like, I could never do that shit. And, and fuck me. Imagine Ian, you know. It should be a fucking disaster if you had, had us, you know. All we do is throw money at you and let, and let you, you know, be a little <laughs> monkey. But you, you do a great job. And uh, so... Uh, Ian, any more Pollock jokes for Chris? Hey, what, what, what do you do if a Pollock throws a hand grenade at you? <laughs> uh, you? You take out the pin and throw it back. Yes, sir. <laughs> I actually knew that one. Why are you laughing at that, dude? Fuck, I, like, I like that joke. I I'm, like coming, I'm coming with a barrage of Irish jokes next time. Oh, uh-oh. Oh, I'll take that personally. You should. Uh, I, I have an Irish joke. Uh-oh. How do you build... A building really slowly. Ow. You let Ian describe a song. <laughs> <laughs> All right. An, an, an Irishman walks past a bar. It could happen. <laughs> hey, I like that one. And that's not really racist because I'm not racist by saying Irish are really drunk scumbags. Uh, hey, 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 you're Cuban. You have no reason to be racist. You got enough problems. Uh, I I live in an Irish town, so you just uh, I got, I have nothing to say. <laughs> well, I all, wanna... all our streets were clearly designed by drunk people, though. 
I want to thank both of you for guesting. And, uh, man, it was. It was a last-minute thing. I texted you guys this morning. You guys showed up. You made this an awesome episode that, that the fans are going to love. And I hope you all check out Cobras and Fires if you haven't already. Of course, I know you already check out Decimal Geek. But for that one asshole, now's the time to go check it out. Yeah, let's just say if you enjoyed this episode, and who wouldn't, you know, it's, it's not like it's fucking get the let out. Everybody's going to enjoy this episode. <laughs> Come back next week when it's another fan-picked episode because you sons of bitches paid for Rockin' Pod and we love you. What album it's going to be, I don't fucking know. But you'll love it. That's next week on the Rockin' On the Better Podcast. On the Rock and Metal <laughs> Combat Podcast. Smeg-a-dang-a-ding-dong. Suck him a knob. Smack him a guy.